One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome to School of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is part 23 in our Wisdom-Filled Warrior series. Hope you're having an amazing time and uh, your eyes are being opened to the supernatural and the power that the Lord offers every one of us as spirit-filled believers and sons of God as we follow Jesus Christ into the supernatural and allow heaven to invade earth. Amen. And so I'm pretty excited about today's message Um, I want to dig deeper in the concept of why the Lord says, without vision, the people perish, okay? Vision is no small thing that um, you you shouldn't look at the New Testament and life with Jesus Christ without vision. Um, Jesus actually told Nathanael um, under, under the tree when he was called, um, he said, you shall see angels, you shall see heaven open and you shall, shall see angels ascending and descending on the son of man, right? He was talking about the eyes of his heart being opened. And so um, I've had had a, a couple good questions this week and uh, I want to dig deeper into the context of, of uh, vision because you are born again to walk supernaturally. And there's no way that you will walk supernaturally without continuous vision from the Lord. You should expect continuous vision. And um, there is no condemnation in Christ. So we just were, um, what I'm going to try to do today is clarify where you are at in your walk with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Because um, if you're not seeing visions fluently, we've got to get you there. And, and, Typically, what happens is you've got to be willing to let go of something that you think is the right way to embrace fully the way of the Holy Holy Spirit, okay? And the way of the Holy Spirit literally is a supernatural life. It's a supernatural walk. It's something you cannot do on your own, okay? it, it Your decision-making um, is vision-dependent instead of you thinking what you should should do or what what is the right thing to do according to your lessons in life your experiences in life um if my experience with the holy spirit is even though i might have a clue or a good um perception on what the right decision is um my experience is that the lord has given me vision and sent me in paths that contradict what i think is the right way because that is his will, okay? His will doesn't necessarily mean um, making wise, um, safe decisions. The Lord is not safe, okay? He actually sends people into dead valleys to raise dead people um, from nothing, from dust and bones, right? I mean, if you're going to be supernatural, you have to shift your mindset into being vision-centered and being willing to follow the vision, even when it contradicts what you think is the safe way, 
because the Lord didn't call you to be safe. He called you to be supernatural. And so you have to have vision. It's not if you, you have to have vision. Okay. Joel two twenty eight says that the promise, when the promise is poured out, that you will dream dreams and have visions and you will prophesy. Right. And so that leads into the context of the relational dynamic with the Holy Spirit and being vision centered, dream centered and following the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we got a good question this week from uh, Beth um, from St. Louis. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to read this and, uh, I'm going to jump into, um, trying to answer this as best I can for you. And hopefully we explain, um, this, uh, you know, to answer the question, but more importantly, um, take you deeper in the reliance of vision. Okay. So, uh, the question is, uh, the revelation and wisdom of Iscus power is amazing, but I'm not sure I have completely wrap my mind around why you are saying everything should be centered around vision. Um, the second part is, can you explain this better? I thought I was saved when I went to the altar and said, yes, when do you believe a person is saved? Um, and why don't I see many visions? Okay. These, these are all great, great questions. Um, and it's the reality of, you know, you got to identify where you're at versus where the Lord intends you to be, right? And this is this may be a far out um, expectation in your mind right now, but when the Lord spoke to John on Patmos and said, come up here, and he brought him into heaven, and he started to reveal things to him in heaven, secrets, information, right? That should be your goal. You should have a prayer life is so deep, that is so supernatural with such great expectation that supernatural encounters should be normal. It should be the expectation of your heart, right? And so I'm saying that to con contrast maybe where you're at today and identify your own heart with a shallow expectation of entering the supernatural realm of the spirit. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, guys, um, this world is temporal. It is, it, it is, it is physical. It is made of dust. You are breathed into by the Lord. Um, but your mind is caught between two worlds, right? Your mind is caught between the earthly realm and the spirit realm. And you can set, Jesus said to set your mind, right? To set your mind on, on him, on the spirit, on the supernatural. Um, you live in this world, you see with eyes in this world, but your real eyes um, are either blind in the spirit or they're awakened in the spirit. Okay. And your heart, um, has to be set on eyes, uh, of expectation, a, a heart that has eyes to expect to see. Okay. So it's not, if you d haven't seen, it's literally being born again is expecting to encounter Christ, to encounter heaven, to encounter angels, to encounter the supernatural. And I'm giving, I've given you guys loads of scriptural context for the supernatural and having your hearts shifted into expecting, into being granted wisdom and revelation, right? It is, it is a heart that expects and demands and requires of the Lord what he promises his sons and daughters. So if you believe in Joel 2.28, um, your heart has to expect in the dream and the vision because it's what you eat. It's what you dine on. It's what, it's what, uh, fuels your spirit and directs the path of your feet, right? And makes you supernatural 
in a limited world. Okay. And so to answer these questions, I'm going to kind of dive into the context or the concept of saved first, and that will, you know, lead us into some of the other explanation that I want to jump into today. Um, first of all, let's look at the, what, what does saved mean? Um, saved is actually a verb, right? It's a, it's an act of being saved. In fact, in the book of James says that when, when you receive the Holy Spirit, that there is a hope of you inheriting salvation. Okay. Um, in Hebrews one, it talks about, um, angels being sent to ensure that you inherit salvation. Well, who's he talking to? He's, he's actually talking to those who say, okay, I believe in Jesus. Get me there, Holy Spirit. Get me there, Father. Get me there, Jesus. Save me. So saved is a continual relation. It has a, a relational dynamic, right? Where you walk by faith, not by sight. You walk by hearing the voice, right? We talked many times in this series about Romans uh, ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, meaning the vision of the Lord. You receive faith through an impartation. It's not anything you cre- can create on your own. So you walk by faith. You walk by the vision of the Lord, not by natural sight and making wise decisions according to the natural world. If you make wise decisions according to the natural world, you always play it safe. You always try to do the right thing. You always try to, I don't know, solve the problem naturally. But the Lord says, no, you walk by faith. You walk by my vision and I will release my supernatural into this world. Okay, so the concept of saved is a daily relationship. It's an expectation. It's a need of of reliance, right? That's why your prayer life and your your particularly your spiritual prayer life, the pr- praying in tongues and hearing the voice as a son, we've trained you many times on the, the son and daughter of God pray and the heart cries out and the father looks your way when you pray in the Holy Ghost. It's his language and he l- releases upon you, right? He releases, he gives you vision. He gives you um, his direction, his intent. He feeds you, right? And so, um, you know, salvation is an inheritance process. It is received continually. It's not just a single trip to the altar. There's many denominations that just say, hey, come and believe Jesus. And then they revert back to following Old Testament principles instead of jumping into the spirit uh, and relying on the Holy Ghost to lead you into the supernatural. Okay, those are two different things. One is new, new covenant which is supernatural. It is, it is, it is the Holy ghost versus the old covenant, which are conditions under the law. Okay. And conditions under the law don't have the power to save. And Paul said that you, if you do one of the, if you do one of the old covenant principles, um, and old covenant, uh, requirements, then you are obligated to do them all. However, um, Again, they're not, it's not possible for a man to achieve them. There's only one that achieved the old covenant, and that is Christ. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, right? He fulfilled the law of Moses, the old covenant that couldn't be achieved. Jesus actually came. He achieved it, 
and he became this door. He opens up heaven and gives you the Holy Spirit, right? He sends the Holy Spirit upon you so that you no longer have to achieve the conditions of the law. All you do is receive Christ who fulfilled the law. He conquered the law. He conquered sin and death, right? And he opens the door of heaven and he gives you an invitation to come in, okay? And that's where that's where the real meaning of saved is, guys. It's not a single trip to the altar where you say yes. That's just like the beginning of you answering the invitation. It's when you come into the spirit realm, right? How often do you come into the spirit realm? Okay, well, here's the question. I've asked this a thousand times in, in this series. Tell me about your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not entering into the spirit realm, okay? You're not entering in to through the door, through the window that Christ offers that was closed off in the old covenant. You had no access, but in Christ who fulfilled the law and the covenant, the window of heaven is open. The door of of heaven is open. Jesus is the door. He swings it wide open and you are taken up in the spirit by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so people say, why do you have so many visions? Why do you have so many dreams? Why do you have so many of these supernatural encounters and all these stories about visitations and stuff. And I say, well, listen, I literally chased after God with all my heart. I prayed with all my heart. I can, I continue to pray with all my heart daily. I thirst after what the Lord is going to reveal to me, what he's going to give me out of heaven. Amen. What he's going to feed me, what he's going to speak to me today and it is completely, it completely contrasts a dead religious Sunday morning, come and pay your tithe and do your actions and go through the motions and then you live a heathen the rest of your life. It's completely opposite. So I have, I have visions and dreams because I enter through the door. I enter through the window of heaven and the Lord reveals to me wisdom and revelation. Okay. And so saved, you've got to literally lay down some of these old covenant con concepts of saved, where there's this mix of you kind of believe in Jesus, but you're practicing old covenant. Okay. And I'm going to get into that here in a minute, but it's important that you, your heart is expectant in the Holy Ghost. He's, it's the one thing Jesus gave. All he did in the, in the new covenant, right? Luke 24, 49, stay in this city until you receive the Holy Spirit, right? So you become baptized in the Holy Ghost. You become supernatural and the Holy Ghost leads you through life. He saves you. In every situation you are in, 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 in this world, the Holy Spirit is present with you to save you, okay? And so, you know, one, one of the aspects of the context of saved is um, it, it's actually the Greek word sozo, meaning the presence of the Holy Spirit delivers. Okay, if you've ever um, had any sozo ministry or heard the term sozo, um, the, the main element of sozo is leading you into experienced vision and you are um, awakened to see Jesus, to see in your spirit, in your spirit, you are awakened to see the Holy Spirit present. Amen. And that's, that's what sozo means. It means the presence of the Holy Spirit to deliver. 
Amen. Meaning that you buy, you literally are taught by somebody leading people individually into visions to actually enter through the window of heaven. Amen. It's a supernatural um, ministry. It's a supernatural gift to lead people into um, the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Sozo is. Everybody should enter in and see the vision of the Lord to see the presence of the Lord with you, both to heal in your, you know, the, when, when people do sozo, they, they think of it in the context of healing old wounds or healing um, situations from the past. But really, the word sozo actually means seeing Jesus present, right? And you can see him, you can see Jesus present to heal an old wound, but you can also see Jesus present in your current day, in, in today's situation, in the dreams that the Lord has for you three years down the road, five years down the road, where are you going to go, what he's going to do. Um, that is the context of being saved, right? So listen, my definition is completely different than a lot of the mainstream denominational church that basically says, come to the altar and accept Jesus. I'm telling you, listen, you should be seeing the vision of the Lord every day because without it, the Lord says you will perish, right? Proverbs 20, 29, 18, uh, without vision, people perish, right? So Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Ghost and suddenly you should expect to have the vision of the Lord. And sozo, if you ever receive sozo, they call it sozo prayer. It's actually, it should be, the context of it should be to teach you that uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit is at your hand. It's in your hand, right? It's it's literally there to embrace and use, not just when somebody's helping minister to you, um, but you literally embrace the sozo. You embrace the fact that Jesus is present with you and your the eyes of your heart are open to see the Lord and what he is showing you, what he is speaking to you, where he's leading you, where, what he's leading you to do. Amen. And so if you can wrap your mind around that, everything will shift. Okay. Everything will shift. And, um, you know, I want to, you know, the, I've, I've reviewed a lot of visions, a lot of encounters, a lot of supernatural things with you, um, really to encourage you, um, some of you to entice you, some of you to urge you on some of, you know, really just the, to, to continue to articulate life in the spirit to you. Amen. Because we are all to become dependent on this, this process, dependent on reliance of the Holy Spirit, which is the new covenant. That's what the new covenant is. It is Jesus, the door, the window of heaven that is opened for you to live in the spirit. Okay. I'm going to talk about that here more in a little bit, but, um, before I jump into, uh, the concept of Jesus fulfilling the law, um, I want to, I want to talk about, um, real quickly, um, you know, dependence on the vision and why the Lord leads you, right? That we, we talked, we talked, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago about, you know, the command to Timothy, by your prophecies, wage a good warfare, right? And how the iscus power, right? The words that come out of your mouth, um, where Paul talks about, um, you know, waging war in Ephesians 6, we, we talked about, you know, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The context of that is 
align your heart with the vision of the Lord and speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, right? You prophesy what the vision of the Lord has given you. And that vision is what wages war against your enemies. And so that's, that's the power of viscous power. And people say, well, how did you develop that? How, why, why did, have you become so reliant on the vision? Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, in 2011, I had a lot of things happen to me in 2010, 11, and 12 that literally shifted, shifted my life. Um, I've, I've told a lot of visitation stories and stuff. And this story in particular, um, is when the Lord started to awaken me to the, to the power of the prophetic and how the prophetic is the weapon Whereas all this other stuff ends up being principle. And why do, why do I say that? Because when you go into church and you do all these different things, you do all these different structural and organizational things, um, they're, they're typically principle driven and, and meant as part of the organization to keep it going. But there's only one source of life, right? And the source of life is is the in the in the context of being saved you learn that you rely on vision the vision is what saves you the vision is what leads you and out of the vision you are equipped with these this ability to prophesy and i want to tell you the story because um this story is what shifted me out of being i'll call it confused by mixture between the old and new covenant okay um, and shifting into full reliance on the vision of the Lord. Okay. And so, you know, I had a bunch of scriptures in 2000. Yeah. In, in, in probably mid year, 2011, um, I had a bunch of scriptures, you know, what I called the promises of the Lord. I had this whole list of scriptures and I, I started a morning prayer routine where I would just start regurgitating these scriptures and I would start saying these scriptures out loud with the Lord and say, Lord, you said this, Lord, you said this. And I'd repeat these scriptures. And, um, one day, <laughs> this is a funny story, guys. It is a, it, 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 this is one of the most supernatural stories that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, the Lord literally invaded me, invaded my prayer time, um, you know, it's like 530 in the morning and I'm going through these, these scriptures out loud. I'm speaking these scriptures out loud and the audible voice of God, he literally invades the room and he says, David, David, like he's like, he's, he's trying to interrupt me, right? Like how dare he interrupt me? He says, David, David. And I stopped because it was like this thundering voice. It was like, he was tired of listening to me, repeating this stuff to him. <laughs> okay. And he goes, David, David, he goes, can we just laugh today? I have something to show you. And all of a sudden I literally froze. Okay. And the presence of God literally came into the room in such a profound way that I could hear the voice of God. I could hear him laughing. He started to laugh and it was like this impartation came into me and I start to laugh and I start to laugh so uh, um, hysterically. And so um, just it was a supernatural laugh. I could not control it. 
right? I don't know if I don't know if you've ever seen holy laughter. Um, holy laughter is a real thing, and it, it is a product of an impartation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not something that people create on their own. If it's real, it's because the Holy Ghost is imparting something. Okay, and so. This presence of God is coming and coming and coming, and I'm laughing, I'm laughing. I fall off my chair, I'm, I'm laying in the middle of the floor, I'm laughing. 20 minutes go by, 30 minutes go by, I cannot stop laughing, okay? And it's at this point that my life changed, okay? And I mean, listen, guys, my, I, I tell you, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I tell you the story of the, of the Navajo Reservation. I'm casting out devils. I'm doing the supernatural stuff. I'm seeing visions from 2005, you know, through 2010, 11. I'm doing all this supernatural ministry stuff. But the Lord wanted to shift me into a greater dependence of vision. OK, and so I'm laughing on the floor and he literally says, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase this for you. Okay, he basically says this: I finally got you to the point of simplifying your life. Okay, I finally got you to the point. I want to show you something. It's extremely important. And the next thing you know, it was like I sobered up. I stopped laughing. I was laughing hysterically for thirty minutes. And when he spoke this to me, I stood. I stood back up. I sat in my chair. And as I'm listening to the Lord, boom, he takes me into this vision. And in this vision, I see David on the, the mountainside with Saul, okay? Goliath is in the valley with the Philistine army. He's laughing. He's, uh, he's mocking David. Um, and I see Saul has his armor on David, okay? I see David take off Saul's armor and... Um, David runs down and there's this, this, there's a brook, there's a running stream in the middle of the valley and he runs, he takes, he reaches into the brook and he grabs five stones. Okay. And that's right out of the, that's right out of the scripture. That's uh first, first Samuel 17, you know, I encourage you to read about it. I'm going to reference a couple of things about it here in a second, but um, I see David reach in to the stream and he pulls out five stones and the Lord starts to speak to me. Watch how he believes me. Watch what he does. And I, I, I'm literally watching David and it's like I'm there, guys. I can't explain it and why the Lord gives me this detail in these visions and in this supernatural stuff. But I'm, I'm watching David speak, right? You, you, you come, um, or, or I'm, this day I'm going to take your head. David is prophesying back to, uh, the giant. And I see David take out his slingshot and he puts a stone in it and he whirls it. And all of a sudden, it's like the picture freezes and the Lord stops. He stops the whole thing and he, he starts to speak to me. And he starts to talk to me about how powerful prophetic vision is and why vision is the centerpiece of, of the New Testament church. Okay, because as I'm watching David sling this stone and he releases the stone, I see the Lord shows me these angels that come out of nowhere, right? And they grab this, the one of them grabs the stone, the other one grabs Goliath. And together, they, the, the one that has the stone, he makes it supernatural. He literally uh, 
releases it. He grabs hold of it in midair and releases it so fast that it penetrates Goliath's head, who is being held by the other angel, right? It was a pinpoint shot. It was a kill shot against the soothsayer, against the sorcerer named Goliath, right? And the single stone, the one stone released by David, right? Pierced the giant's head. He fell down. David comes over, cuts off the giant's head. And, and the next thing I saw was the arm, the Israel army ignited with the power of faith. And they ran onto the battlefield and the, and the Philistines ran, um, ran away and, and they were chased down. Right. And so the Lord started to speak to me about the New Testament church being awakened to the power of vision. Okay. And the power of the, the prophetic vision of, of, what the Lord gives in vision, okay? Because the iscus power that comes out of a out of a person's mouth, out of a son and daughter of God's mouth, it is what I just described, okay? The symbolism, David reaches into the river. What is the river? The river is the Holy Spirit. The river, the brook. He reaches in, he pulls out five stones. He pulls grace out of the river, okay? Do you have the ability to reach into the river? If you've listened to this series, I'm, I'm awakening you to, to be a warrior, to, to see as a warrior. And the way you see as a warrior is that you run to the brook. You take off all these religious garb, all this stuff that Saul and the army that's bound in fear that appears to be righteous and trying to look the part, right? But they're actually self-righteous. David took it all off because he was under the anointing. He 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 was... He was clothed in oil, right? He was baptized in oil and he saw a different way. He saw spiritually. And so the symbolism, he, he ran to the brook. He pulls out, um, he pulls out the ability to see in the spirit. He pulls it out and he begins to prophesy, right? He tells the giant this day, I will take your head, right? He's, he's prophesying the death of the soothsayer and the awakening of the army of Israel, Right? That's what this was all about. If if you go back and read the First uh, Samuel seventeen, it was about the awakening of of the of the Lord's army, and so David prophesies. He releases this stone, right, and the iscus power that comes out of David's mouth literally releases the angel of the Lord to ensure that the supernatural is going to happen. Okay, and the supernatural power that's promised. If you read Psalm uh, 103, verse 20, this lines up with our discussion last time. We talked about Hebrews 1, where it talks about, um, are, they, are the angels sent, not sent to ensure that the called people of God will inherit their salvation? He's, he's talking about the context of being saved, that you will inherit your salvation. So he sends his angels to ensure you will inherit salvation. What's he talking about? He's talking about the relational dynamic that when you see the vision of the Lord and you begin to prophesy it, the angel of the Lord is sent to ensure that you will inherit your salvation, meaning that what you prophesy, you inherit. Are you with me? Come on, church. 
This, if this doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. And, and so in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says he sends his angels to ensure that those who are called, those who are saved will inherit salvation. So he's talking about the relational dynamic of you being given a vision, you reaching, you running onto the battlefield, reaching into the river, pulling out a stone. And a stone is a symbol of a vision of, of the word of the Lord, Okay. And, and, and when you begin to sling that stone, you begin to literally release that stone. The angel of the Lord comes to ensure that your inheritance will be fulfilled. Amen. And so why am I so bent on vision and why this is, I know this is the centerpiece of my calling guys, that the, there's a, there's a new level of, of visionary relationship with the Lord that he's pouring out in this hour. And I'm, I'm just here to impart to you the revelation, to impart to you the expectation in your heart to see the vision of the Lord and the promise that the Lord says he will send his angels to ensure you will inherit your salvation. You will receive your inheritance, right? I talked to you last time about when the Lord took me into heaven and the, and the lion breathed in my face. And he says, tell my people that if they believe in my prophetic word, they will uh, inherit Right, they will receive their uh, inheritance. This is this this is in line with the vision. Okay, uh, what, what I taught you last time, um, Psalm Psalm one hundred three twenty says, "Bless the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His commandments, obeying the voice of His word." Okay, the word word there is the Hebrew word debar. It's the same as the Greek word we've been talking about, rhema, meaning the vision, the dream, the, 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 the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, equipping you with supernatural weapons, right? It's, he's talking about making sure that you believe in your heart that if you get the vision and you prophesy the vision, that the Lord will ensure it, it's your inheritance, to be um to to receive what the vision decreed what the vision revealed amen and so why do i keep telling you um why do i keep giving you guys these experiences and these encounters because um i want you to the lord is awakening an army to become so expectant in his vision that he's going to make you supernatural right I've told, I've told you the Lord came to me in a dream about India, right? Go to India. A man will call, call you from India. He quit me in a, in a series of dreams about going to India. And seven days later, a man calls me from India and, and, you know, I've preached to hundreds of thousands of people, seeing them baptized in the Holy Ghost and, and thousands of pastors baptized in the Holy Spirit now seeing visions. Okay. Um, it's real. Right. And there's a transition process. The Lord is in this hour transitioning people out of being religious routine and powerlessness into the power of the Holy Spirit, which is expecting in the vision that you are sozoed. Right. You, you know, you should you, you should let me say this. To eradicate the lie of the context of being saved and what you thought it was just going to an altar, you should literally erase that from, from your memory bank and use the word sozo in place. You should go, go to the dictionary where, where it, uh, go to the, um, the, the Bible, 
that references the word saved where, where it's talking about sozo and the meaning of sozo. You literally should write that so that you are, you, that you know that you are dependent on the vision of the Lord and the presence of the Lord with you in this moment, that you would realize that it is the vision of the Lord. Jesus died to literally give you the vision of the Lord, that you would see him face to face, that the window and the door of heaven are opened to reveal to you the fullness of the supernatural power of the Lord, okay? And so if you if you believe in your heart, in the vision of the Lord, that he will execute his vision, then why would you not speak it until it happens, okay? And I'm saying this tongue in cheek because, you know, as we talked, as we talked over the last few weeks, um, you know, Paul, Paul told Timothy, by your prophecies, wage war, meaning that you hold them, you hold the vision, but you speak it, you speak it continuously. And we see in Second uh, Kings 13, Elisha came to the king, right? And when Elisha came to the king, he, he put bow, uh, a bow in his hand and arrows. He opens the window right to the east and um, he instructs him to strike, strike the ground with the arrows and then to shoot the arrows out of the window. Okay, out of the window. And if you do, you will defeat your enemy. This is Second uh, Kings chapter 13. Um, and I'm, I don't have time to read it now, so I'm paraf- paraphrasing it for you. You should go back and read that scripture. Okay, but. The prophet comes and says, I'm opening the window for you. I'm putting arrows in your hand with a bow, an ability to shoot these arrows through the window. And if you continually release it out the window, right? If you strike the ground and and continuously release it out the window, then you will defeat your enemy. Okay. And it says that the king only did it three times. And Elisha comes back and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. He says, because you've only done it three times, you're going to win your war, but your children are going to have to fight a war and they're actually going to be overcome, right? <laughs> yeah, you got the, you got the picture. The, the, prophet, the prophet comes back and says, if you would have kept striking the ground and, and releasing the arrows out of the window, you and your future generations would be on thrones. You would continually be on thrones, right? And that's the punchline. This is a picture of you receiving the vision of the Lord and not just holding on to it, but releasing it, right? When you strike the ground, it's a, it's a symbol, it's a, a symbol of striking the earth, right? What was given in your hand in the heavenly realm through vision, you have the ability to strike the earth and not only strike the earth, release the vision through the window. Amen. So let's just think about this. As, as you are in prayer, you're praying in tongues, you get a, you get a vision from the Lord. Okay. And it's a supernatural vision. You're going you're gonna to do something supernatural. You're going to be sent somewhere. You're going to receive something supernatural. It's like beyond your ability to embrace the blessing that the Lord is pulling out on you. 
And, and the Lord is saying to you, strike the earth with the vision I gave you from the heavenly realm. Amen. I'm, I've given you access into the heavenly realm. I've given my vision in your heart. And if you strike the earth, if you strike the earth, if you keep striking the earth and you release that arrow, which is the vision of the Lord out of the window, not only is it in the heavenly realm, but you are releasing it into the earthly realm. You are striking the ground with it, so to speak. Amen. You are releasing heaven on earth. And not only will you win in your generation, your future generations will overcome. They will receive the blessing of the Lord because your heart carried the vision. Are you with me, church? My God, if that doesn't get you fired up, what will? I mean, you can live a supernatural life. One person with a supernatural prayer life has the power to change the world. One person that receives the vision of the Lord has the power to change your life, your family's life, your future generation's life, your church's life, a city's life, um, a nation's life. Amen. Amen. I mean, my God, it's supernatural. It is a supernatural call. And that is the power of Christ. That is what saved means. Saved means you are made supernatural. Jesus with you in the present. He puts stones in your hands because you're reaching into the river. And when you throw those stones, the angels literally are killing, taking that vision and making it supernatural on a battlefield. Right? He's putting arrows. It's, it's another sim, sim, symbolism of, of the prophetic, of the vision of the Lord being placed in your hand. And you strike the ground with it when you keep firing them out the window, when you keep prophesying the vision of the Lord. Amen. Let's talk real quick about the concept of um, why can't I see visions, okay? And what I've learned over the years is some people you know, are still trying to literally live in two worlds. You're literally trying to embrace the Holy Ghost, but you're saved, so to speak, by the conditions you achieve. And you may say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me explain something to you. Um, I'm sure um, many of you in your years if you've been in any number of churches, this philosophy, so to speak, is littered in churches that even churches that that um, believe in the Holy Spirit to some degree, they still use Scripture in a in an Old Testament context, which um, which falsely or maybe innocently or purposely. You know, there's there's many contexts of using scripture um, to literally if you if you do this, then you're in. If you achieve this part of the scripture, then you're in. If you accomplish this, then you're in. And um, I want to I want to talk specifically about something that is littered in the church um, throughout not just America, but throughout the world. OK, Um this mix of Old Testament and New Testament. And I want to I want to emphasize before I start this this part by the fact that you know Jesus says the Holy Ghost the prophecy in in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 is that you, you when the spirit of God is poured out you will see visions you will have dreams and you will prophesy, right? The windows of heaven will no longer be closed to the common man. Okay, 
You know, in the old in the old covenant, only a handful of select people, okay, the 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 prophets could see the vision of the Lord. But in the new covenant, the promise is that sons and daughters of God, all everybody will see vision. So you have to wrap your mind around number one, it is a promise to you. And number two, um, it is something that uh, can be hindered if you don't literally leave go the old and grab hold of this new promise, okay? Because if you, if you don't literally believe that visions are for you, that there's, then, then by default there is something that you are holding on to to inherit your salvation, Okay, and inheriting salvation is only through the relationship with the Holy Spirit. There is no other way to inherit salvation. There is no other way to inherit other than through Jesus Christ, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He gives you the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand to lead you. Right. And all of the angels of heaven, all of all of the uh, supernatural power of heaven is granted to you to lead you into your inheritance. We say, what do you mean by that? Well, Let's take Malachi chapter 3 because many of you who sat, have sat in churches and have been shamed into tithing um, in an Old Testament concept and believe that you're saved because of putting money in a bucket, okay? And I want to I prove to you that putting money in a bucket doesn't save you, okay? So if that offends you, um, I'm sorry, my intent is not to offend you, although Jesus said he, he came to offend, right? He came to offend to break off lies. Um, and so if it offends you, um, we need to break off some lies, okay? And if for, for those of you who are caught in this world of between, you know, a little bit of new covenant, but relying on Old Testament, You've literally got to become free of the old to embrace the new. And I'm telling you this because some of you write in, some of you ask me, how in the world do you see so many visions? How in the world do you have so many dreams? How, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you because I had to learn to leave go. I had to literally leave go because I was, I grew up, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I spent the first five or six years in a church that mixed the old and the new. And, and I want to explain something um, on that concept to you, okay? So I'm going to read Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 12, and then we're going to talk about what it really means, okay? Because many of you have, you have, have sat in um, a church service and heard this scripture and have been shamed and convicted, quote unquote, into putting money in a bucket as you are being shamed using this scripture in the wrong context. Okay, so Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you, bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, uh, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, 
for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now I know for a fact that 90% of you have sat in a church and have heard this scripture literally from a pulpit telling you that if you don't tithe, you're robbing God, meaning that if you don't put money in a bucket, you're robbing God. And I want to say to you that actually what this scripture means is the complete opposite of that. Okay, so let's just start with this. Um, you know, if you don't give 10%, let, let's just say this again. The scripture is sometimes used as a big stick to manipulate. Okay, if you don't give 10% of your gross income, you're robbing God and opening the door of the devourer. You're actually, if you don't put the money in a bucket, then you are you are basically saying, okay, Satan, come come devour me, right? You're being shamed and falsely uh, uh, having scripture twisted to convince you that you better put your money in a bucket, okay? Yet at the same time, come to the altar, believe in Jesus, but if you don't put your money in a bucket, okay, then you're you're opening yourself up to the curse. The devourer is going to come and get you, and you're robbing God, okay? That's a pretty confusing message, right? Come, come receive Jesus, but if you don't put your money in a bucket, then you are cursed, okay? Let me just say this. Usually the people preaching this, this uh, derive their income, their income from, from the giving, right, to the church. And if you've heard of my stuff, I really believe in, you know, in the coming days um, and in the future, the Lord is redefining the church. The Lord is causing these major organizations to crumble financially because the people's eyes are being opened to see that they're powerless um, and they survive based on people keeping a system going instead of using their money to invest in a real tithe. Okay, and I'll, I'll talk to, talk about that in a minute. Um, and so you're shamed, right? You, if, if you believe, you must give a tenth of your income. Um, how much better to serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter is, is the point that I, I think we need to make here. Romans 7, 6 says um, that you should serve in the spirit and not in the old oldness of the letter, okay? And so there there is a contrast between serving in the new versus serving in the old, all right? Um, the question we have to ask is this, is Malachi preaching the law or is he prophesying? Is he preaching the law or is he prophesying? If you've heard this con this scripture um, in the context of if you don't put your money in a bucket, you're robbing God, you've heard it under the law. You did not hear it as a prophecy. And what this scripture is supposed to be is a prophecy of Jesus Christ, the living tithe. Okay? What do, I, what do I mean by that? Okay. First off, let's do this. In Malachi uh, verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he's talking about the coming of the oracle. He's, he's talking about the coming of the voice of God. Okay. You should go back. You should study uh, Malachi chapter 3 uh, very in depth and understand that um, there's a prophecy of a coming oracle. There's a prophecy of an open window, meaning you have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord, right? The section of scripture in Malachi, I read you, uh, verse uh, chapter 3, verse 8, eight, 9, and 10, talks about, I will 
open up the windows of heaven for you, meaning that you will have visions and dreams. You, the, the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will you um, uh, literally receive the blessing of the tithe, so to speak, okay? And so this is a big deal. Do you, do you see it as, a, as, a, as um, a condition of the law? Or are you seeing this through the eyes of the prophet who is prophesying the coming of the open window, the coming of the open oracle of the Lord? Okay. So I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read verse, uh, uh, chapter three, verse one through um, six for you. And then we're going to talk about it. Behold, I am going to send my messenger and he will prepare and clear away before me. The Lord, the Messiah, whom you seek, will come suddenly into his temple. Who's the temple? You are the temple in the new covenant. He's not talking about the old covenant synagogue and the storehouse in the synagogue. That's under the law. He's talking about Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, coming into you, right? We talked we talk about um, the call of David that was upon his life where the Lord said, you're not going to build me a house. I'm making you a house, David. And when I come, make you a house, um, I will set up my, my abode in you, right? And Jesus came as the son of David, the one who restore the tent of David, the presence of God in a person. Okay, so the prophecy in Malachi is not about the synagogue and the dead uh, lie of the old covenant that is powerless and unable to save. So let's get back to the context of saving. What is saved? It's not old covenant. It doesn't have the power to save. Jesus in the new covenant pours out his spirit and he saves you. He reveals his inheritance to you. He doesn't condemn you if you don't meet the conditions of the law. Amen. This this gets me so fired up because there's the only way you can see the scripture um, in its true light is through the eyes of the prophetic vision of the Lord. Okay. And guys who stand in pulpits who read it literally are preaching the law on you and keeping you deaf, dumb, and blind in the spirit because you are convicted falsely by condemnation and guilt into putting money into a bucket, thinking that you arrive and how dare you rob God if you don't put money in a bucket when the Lord is saying, I'm sending my messenger to free you from the law. Did the Lord not say in, in, um, in, in all, all, all um, gospels say this, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came and fulfilled the law and the prophets. Okay. He fulfilled the law. Get this through your head. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So in the context of Malachi verse 1 and 2 here, he's saying, um, I'm sending my messenger, the Messiah, the one who fulfills the law, to actually come into his temple, that's you, right? To reveal himself to you, to lead you into salvation, to lead you into revelation, to give you the vision of the Lord. And it says in chapter two, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He's the one who washes you clean. He speaks to you, right? He speaks visions and dreams to you and literally reforms you with them. He transfigures you. He changes you by his voice. 
He makes you supernatural by his voice. That is the vision of the Lord. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, the priests, right? He, he's, he's talking to Levi, which is the tribe in the old covenant who were the old covenant priests. He's saying, I will refine you. I will make you a new covenant priest. No longer will you have to do the works of the law. You will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you will see the vision of the Lord and no longer work for salvation. You will receive salvation. Okay. I will refine them like gold and silver so that they may be may present to the Lord grain offerings in righteousness. Right? In righteousness. How are you made righteous? You receive from the Lord. How do you receive faith? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the vision, the rhema of the Lord. Okay? Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in ancient years. Then I will come near you for judgment. What is judgment? If you are in Christ, the judgment, you are washed clean and your enemies are the ones who receive the judgment of God because of the deception of the demonic powers that are here to twist you into old covenant powerlessness. They fear you stepping out of old covenant powerlessness and truly receiving Christ into the vision and the supernatural power of the Lord because judgment shifts from you in the old covenant. It shifts from you being condemned in the old covenant but because you received the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you then enter the door and the window of heaven and you enter the vision of the Lord relationally as a son or daughter of God. And no longer does the judgment come on you. The judgment comes on the demonic powers. Are you with me, church? The judgment comes on the demonic powers. So you are refined. You are transformed by the fire, the Holy Ghost. Right? Jesus comes, the, the Messiah comes as a refiner, as, a, as one who purifies, as the one who separates the dross off of the silver, off of the, the heated metal. Right? That's why when you're baptized by fire, you receive the vision of the Lord. And what is old, the chaff, the worthless part is separated from you. And no longer do you rely on anything old. You don't rely on anything old. You rely on everything new, which is in Christ, which is the relational dynamic with the vision of the Lord. Amen. My God, my God. I mean, this is this is foundational Christianity. This is what should be taught when when you receive the, the Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you receive the baptism of fire that you no longer achieve anything by the conditions of the law. Nothing is achieved by the conditions of the law. And certainly you are not condemned because Romans 8, 1 says there is now no condemnation in Christ. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no nothing of evil upon you. There certainly is no curse. Amen. And you are not required to put anything in a bucket. Okay? Because if you do fall for that trap and you put money in a bucket thinking you're saved because you're putting money in a tithe bucket, then you missed it. You are not tithing out of your heart. You're tithing out of a condition. Okay? So let's take off our law glasses and put on our Jesus lens. You have to see through the eyes of Christ. Okay? You have to read this through the eyes of the prophet. 
doing doing this, we might see the old covenant shadow signals of the prophecy and how the 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 lesser tithe points to the greater Jesus. Okay, and what, what do I mean by that? Under the old covenant, you were cursed if you had no tithe. Malachi 3, 8, 9. But in the new covenant, you are cursed if you don't have Christ. The only curse is you refuse Christ. You don't receive Christ. That's Matthew 25, 41. So the door is open, right? You receive Christ and visions are the, the window. Okay? Under the old covenant, you dared not approach God without your tithe. Right? You didn't even come in. If you didn't have a tithe, you didn't even come in to, to the um, place of sacrifice. You don't even come, you have nothing to offer. You're cursed, okay? But in the new covenant, you receive the sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the grace, the, the new covenant grace, right? That's Luke 18, 12. But in the new, we have access into the throne room through Christ Jesus. John 14, 6, Hebrews 10, 19, come boldly to the throne of grace. Face to face, the window is, is open. So in, in the new covenant heart position, you literally receive Christ and enter into the realm of the Spirit, expecting in a relational dynamic of his presence with you, right? The outpouring of his presence. So under the old covenant, um, no tithe meant no meat in the storehouse, which meant that the priestly tribe went hungry. But in the new covenant, Jesus is the meat. He sustains his priestly people. Who, who are you guys? You guys are priests and kings, right? The book of Revelation says that you are the priests and the kings in the new covenant. In the old, in the old covenant, the Levi priests didn't eat if the people didn't bring the tithe, the meat, right? The grain offerings, the different tithes into the storehouse. So the Levi priest starved. In the new covenant, you are the priest of Christ. You are the one who receives from Christ. You are the one who is granted visions and dreams and prophecy, which is the meat of the new covenant. In fact, this made, this concept angered Paul so greatly um, that when he was writing to the Hebrews, right? The, the Hebrews were the people who had been baptized in the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He's talking to Jerusalem, okay? He's talking to the people that experienced Pentecost. He's talking to the ones who saw the supernatural and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost with visions and prophecy being unleashed into the church and what made them supernatural. And the false, uh, the, the, the Levite priests, the, uh, the, the, the Jewish um, synagogue infiltrated the supernatural church and tried to take them back to being old covenant responsible again instead of new covenant, Holy Ghost filled, baptizing the Holy Ghost, seeing visions and dreams, casting out devils, doing the supernatural because they are vision centered of the Lord. And Paul writes this to them. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle. What is the oracle? The vision of the Lord, the voice of God. You should be teachers of the oracle, not teachers of the old system. 
and condemning people under when they don't uh, uh, do certain things and and twist twisted twisting scripture out of context that are supposed to be prophecies of the coming Messiah, right? Malachi is supposed to be a prophecy of the coming Messiah who would refine you by the fire of the Holy Ghost and make you the tithe, okay? I'll get to that in a second. You have come to need milk. This is Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food comes to those who are full of age. That is, those who are by, re- by reason use their senses to exercise, to discern both good and evil. What's he talking about there? The word discern, he's talking about entering the window, knowing what the Spirit is saying, being able to discern by the voice of the Lord, the vision of the Lord. You are made supernatural. You are literally being fed meat. Who is who is Christ? Christ is the meat. Christ is is the nourishing one. Christ is the one that, think of it this way, Scripture, the beginning of, of Revelation is the Scripture points to Christ. Right. So Paul in this context is saying that you are taking the group back. You're taking the people back to relying on Scripture and the coming of Christ. Christ has already came. The window of heaven is open and he wants to nourish you that you will. The church will be supernatural, meaning that the church is supposed to be vision centered. The body is supposed to be vision centered and living by what the Lord is saying and making you supernatural, not condition based and trying and being led by men who are deceiving the people and condemning them and and making them feel shamed if they didn't put money in a bucket. That is that's uh, that's not only is that a law based use of the scripture, but it is a lie from the devil. It is actually twisting you into thinking you've arrived, that you've received Christ if you put the money in a bucket. And that is such a lie. That is an absolute lie from the devil, guys. That is an absolute lie from the devil. The church, the new center, the, the, the supernatural church in the new covenant is to be voice driven, supernatural. The vision of the Lord is promised to you. You either believe the promise when, when the Lord says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, you will dream dreams and have visions and you will prophesy, meaning that the window of heaven is opened, the door of heaven, which is Christ, is opened and the outpour of the Holy Ghost is upon you and you have access to ascend and descend in the, he- in the heavenly realm and the tithe, so to speak, has been received, right? That's a good question. Have you received the tithe? Have, are you, have you become the tithe? Are you tithing in the New Testament? So in the context of Malachi's prophecy, is that you have robbed God of his inheritance of you if you don't receive Christ in fullness. That's the real meaning of that scripture. That gee, the Father, think of it this way. You rob, you rob him and you rob yourself because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you can relate to him. If you don't receive Christ and what Christ accomplished, the Father actually sent Jesus Christ, his son, and led him to death, led him to give his life on a cross so that death and sin could be defeated, right? Jesus has descended into hell. He took the keys of death and sin. Now he holds the keys of life and the death 
and the keys of death and sin. He holds all keys. He holds all access into the heavenly realm. He holds the keys to the door, so to speak. You can enter and, and exit by your choice. Do you decide to go into prayer today? Do you relate to the Lord in the Holy Ghost, in the power of praying in tongues in the Spirit of God, right? We've talked about Romans 8, 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings, right? With supernatural utterances that allow your spirit to pray and ask the Lord, to connect with the Lord. And the Lord literally responds to you in visions and dreams. That's my experience. That's my relational dynamic. That's my supernatural connection to the real Christ, right? So putting money in an offering plate, it may appease your conscience, but it is not the, what the meaning of a tithe is in the new covenant, okay? The Lord actually wants your whole heart in the new covenant. He wants everything about you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart to be expectant in need of him, being saved every day of your life. Right, that you you have grasped the concept of saved, that you are sozoed, right? That the, the the deliverer is present with you. That's the meaning of sozo. That the Greek word used uh, for describing the concept of being saved is sozo, meaning the presence of God is with you. The deliverer, the one who can take you by the hand and deliver you. How does he do it? He gives you dreams and visions and supernatural outpours of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Whew. So the old covenant tithe was the priest's inheritance, right? But our greater inheritance is in Christ. Ephesians 1.11, we receive Christ, we inherit Christ. Okay? We're talking about salvation, which involves the opening of the windows of heaven and the angels of the Lord sent to ensure that salvation um, will be given to you, Right? You receive vision, you prophesy, the angels come and ensure what you align your heart with and speak out of your mouth, the iscus power, the angels make sure it happens. Are you with me, guys? So under the old covenant, God requires a tenth, Malachi 3, 8, right? But Jesus asked for more. In Luke 12, in, in Luke 12, 48, he says, to whom much has been given, much is required. Okay. God is demanding your heart. He's saying that I've given you everything of me. Will you give me everything of you? I don't just want your money. Okay, I don't just want your money. I want your heart is what the Lord's asking for. And if you're feeling the heavy presence of the Lord right now, it's because the Lord is descending upon you, breaking lies free from you. I, man, I feel the presence of God right now so so heavy. There is years and decades and generations of dead religion. They call it Christianity, but it's actually dead synagogue-style Christianity. It's Hebrew. It's what Paul was writing to the Hebrews, trying to recenter them back to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being centered on the vision of the Lord so that they didn't have to falsely believe the lie, feeling like they were listening to a law speech from Malachi. No, you were listening to a prophecy from Malachi saying that when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. It's going to refine you. It's going to simplify your life. It's going to make you vision centered. It's going to make you supernatural. He's going to be your deliverer. You're going to see visions and have dreams. You're going to hear his voice. He's going to make you supernatural. He's going to do what you couldn't do and what the law couldn't do.
So Jesus came as the perfect tithe. Jesus came as the one who fulfilled the law and the prophets. He is the tithe. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you shift your life into receiving visions and dreams, doing it His way, praying in the Holy Ghost, that's His way. He baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. He gives you the gift of tongues and says, no, you're not going to do it your way like a logical man. You're going to do it my way in the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can claim nothing from it, only that you chose to believe the way of the Lord, which is that you will inherit salvation by praying in the Holy Ghost and bringing his supernatural kingdom into your life. Amen. No longer will you think that you are condemned if you don't put 10% in a tithing bucket. You will ha have a clean conscience, right? The blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse your conscience. So if you are being condemned by a law, listen to me, guys. If you're being condemned by a law, then, then you've got to realize you're still in the old covenant. You've not fully received Christ. You've not done it. You may think you have, but if you did, you wouldn't be you would be more convicted by not entering your prayer life than you would be by not putting money in an offering plate on Sunday. <laughs> That's enough to freak 90% of the church out right there. That's enough to have pastors flipping their lids. But I'm telling you if you listen to me, and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you say, you know what? There's only one thing that has the power to sozo me, one thing that has the power to save me, and that is the presence of my God and the hearing of his voice. He is the refiner's fire. He is the one who has shifted my eyes to not look at Malachi chapter 3 as a condemning law declaration, but a, prof a prophecy of the coming of the one who refines by fire, right? Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't, does that ring a bell, right? Matthew chapter three, right? John the baptizer, the one who dumped people in water said, no, 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 there's one coming whose sandals I am not worthy to walk in. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost in what? Fire. He will baptize you in fire. He will baptize you in the supernatural. He will make you something that you cannot simply by uh, following a law or even saying, yes, I'm a sinner that needs saved. I Just by going under the water, that's a, an act of repentance. Oh my God, I need the deliverer. I need the one who refines by fire. And there's only one who refines by fire. That is Jesus Christ. The one who baptizes you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And when he breathes on you, when he prophesies over you, when he gives his dream to you, he will do to you what you putting money in an offering plate could never do on your own, ever. And when I say ever, I mean ever, never, never. You can put a million dollars in that offering plate because you think you're answering the condemnation of the law and it will not save you. There's only one who will save you and that is Jesus Christ. That is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost and fire. And that is why I tell people, do not leave this city. Do not try to act and think you're Christian without the Holy Ghost. It's impossible to do until you receive the baptism of fire and it let him refine you by his voice and let him cleanse you by his voice. Let him refine you by by his voice, let him make you what you couldn't do on your own. That is being refined by fire. That is the, the awakening of the new life, the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
My God, I think I'm, I think I'm fired up right now. I think I'm ready to preach. But here's here's the deal, guys. Windows. Let me close this with this. We talked the going back to the beginning. You know, the biggest part of this question was, you know, the windows. Why don't I see visions? I just walked you through it. You have to be baptized by fire. You have to rely on the fire. You have to depend on fire. And Jesus says, I will pour out my spirit upon you. You will dream dreams and have visions and the supernatural will follow you. You will be saved day after day after day. I will refine you every day of your life and you will be unveiled as something made supernatural that you couldn't do yourself by trying to follow the law. Amen. So listen, guys, um, windows, these windows are real. When, when in Malachi chapter three, um, when you receive Jesus Christ as the refiner, the one who baptizes in fire, the Lord promises you as you become, as you receive his tithe, as you receive Christ as the tithe, you will then, then become the tithe. You are the release of of Christ on earth. You are the extension of Christ. You are the one he gives. How does he give you? Not by you feeling convicted and putting money in a bucket. When he gives you vision, he sends you places. Speak to this person. Don't do that. Go here. Stop this. Right? He's speaking to you. He's refining you by fire. His voice is the fire, guys. His vision. And he speaks in the new covenant in dreams and visions and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So windows are are a symbol of revelation. It's it's the prophetic vision. Um, Vision is how I teach. I mean, if you've listened to all, if you listen to my stuff, everything I teach about has has an encounter, a vision, something supernatural. It is the, the will of the Lord of what he wants me to speak to you about and what he wants to break people free of and enter people into. Amen. Vision is how I war. Vision is how I interact with the Father. Uh, the Holy Ghost, with Jesus Christ, with angels. Visions is how the Lord saves me daily. He leads me. I am saved daily by the fire of the Holy Ghost, by the refiner's fire. Amen. And I'll, I'll close with this, guys. The Lord says, without vision, the people perish. So I know there's people convicted right now. I know there's people listening to this saying, oh my gosh, I've had this mix of the old and the new. And I have not allowed myself to be simplified in trusting the voice of the Lord. And let me let me just say this. I'm not telling you to not put money and invest in a supernatural ministry. In the book of Colossians, you should read chapter 2 and 3. Paul is talking to them and saying, hey, thank you. I'm going on this mission. If you believe in the call of God on my life for this mission to go baptize this other nation in the Holy Ghost and fire, then I'm, you know, I need money. I need help. That's how ministry works, right? But Paul didn't say to them, if you don't put money in this bucket, you're convicted, just like the twisted view of, of from the law, the view of the law in Malachi. He didn't do that. He just said, invest your heart with me, invest with me. If you believe in the, in the call of God and the vision, the Lord planted in my heart for this other nation, then invest in me. Okay. That's, that's new Testament helping and giving of, of finances in the new covenant. Okay. There, and, and, and you know, I could go off on a tangent on this, but listen, guys, um, your investment should be out of the heart. Your investment should be out of the fact of you you are simply um you know that you're saved by one thing and that is Jesus Christ 
and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as the vision of the Lord comes and you want to be part of another people's ministry or you believe in where you are going to church is because of the vision of the Lord. You're investing in the vision. You invest in the vision. You don't put money in a bucket because you're condemned. That's the law. Okay, do not do that. But if you believe in a vision, if you don't have a vision, then you better find a vision. And I would say sit and wait in prayer, pray in the Holy Ghost until the Lord plants a vision in your heart and leads you to where you're to invest in. Because not only do you invest out of your pocket, you invest with your life. You, when, G- when Jesus said, um, you know, it in that parable, much that God demands or to whom to whom he has given much is required. The much is you. Just as Jesus gave his life, the Lord says in Romans chapter 6, as you are in the likeness of his death, so too shall you be in the likeness of his resurrection. I've used that scripture to reveal that you are raised up by the Holy Ghost, but also you become the tithe. You become what is given, right? The Lord came to me in dreams. He sends me to India. The Lord came to me in dreams. He sends me to Toledo. The Lord came to me in dreams. He sends me to this city. He sends me to that city. Sends me to this church. Wakes me up. Tells me to go here, right? I'm telling you that you become a tithe. You become something given. You become the one who carries the message. You become the ambassador. You become the one who represents heaven. You come to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, baptize. You come to release the hand of God on the earth. You become the tithe. Okay? And if I was you, if you're struggling with those concepts because you've spent all your life in condemning places and thinking you're saved because of how much money you put in a bucket on Sunday morning, then you missed it. You need deliverance. We need, and we need to pray for that. All right. So father, I'm just going to close with this. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, um, I pray that every person here, Lord, as they fall down on their face and they begin to thank you, father, for the wisdom and revelation and the simplified outpouring of the Holy ghost that you accomplished all things that when, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he accomplished all things, that he fulfilled the law and the prophets. He fulfilled Malachi. He fulfilled the view of the law, that there is no condemnation in Christ, that, that there is no tithing in a bucket that can save a man. And that the refiner's fire that was promised by Jesus Christ in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would truly come upon every person, Lord, and that their heart would be set on the vision of God, on praying in the Holy Ghost and relying on hearing the voice of the Lord. Lord, I pray for every person who has struggled with dreams and visions as they begin to repent, Lord. And I encourage you guys, as as you're convicted by this message, you need to repent and ask the Holy Ghost of everything that you thought was saving you, that was actually a work of the law that you repent for because you've actually negated the work of the cross. You negated the work of Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you this, as you begin to do that, the the outpouring of dreams and visions is going to multiply in your life. So Father, as you convict them in, in your grace of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to have the revelation that the works of the law cannot save a man, but only the refiner's fire, Lord, and the voice of God, the vision of the Lord. Lord, let this grace come upon every person right now and increase. Lord, let them weep in your presence as you pour out your spirit in dreams and visions, that you visit them in dreams and they just have supernatural angelic encounters, supernatural visitations of the Holy Spirit, encounters in heaven, Lord, because they've let go of the old and rely fully in an expectant heart 
giving their life to be with the one who gave his. Lord, let that grace come upon every person. I release that right now in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, you may need to listen to this one twice because this is this is a deep one, but it'll it'll cut your heart and separate you. And I just encourage you guys, pray and cry out to God this week. Cry out for the refiner's fire to come upon you and you watch what he does to you when you leave go of all these dead religious things that are a strange mix, just like the Hebrews, that deadened the church. It actually deadens them, it hardened them, and make, made them condition-centered instead of voice-driven. All right? And I, I guarantee you guys that visions and dreams are going to multiply in your life. So pray hard this week. Search out the Lord. Beg and cry out for the refiner's fire to come upon you and repent of everything that you've done in your works of the law, uh, whether you did it on purpose or you falsely were con uh, twisted in your thought process because you were in a synagogue-style system being condemned into putting money in a bucket. Amen. So I just encourage you guys, press hard in the Holy Ghost this week. Pray like your life depends on it, because it does. And uh, we'll come back and dive into the next section next week. Amen. If you haven't got yourself a book of wisdom-filled warriors, go get one. And uh, I just encourage you, the Lord um, is going to do something supernatural. And like we've been saying for the last few weeks, the devil is afraid of what you're about to become. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T.org, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.